Hey, high-stakes fantasy footballers. Tonight, Dave Gerzak continues his two-week suspension for violation of HSFFR rules, but happy to step in for the co-host tonight is show listener and Football Guys Players Championship player Bill Queries, who currently sits in sixth place overall. Up first is FFPC main event leader Roger Matthews to talk a little Dion Lewis, Kevin White, and Chris Polk. Also, on the show tonight, discussion on Stefan Diggs, Melvin Gordon, Robert Turbin, and much, much more. Your 90-minute Eric Balkman show with Eric Balkman, Roger Matthews, and Bill Querby starts now. Live from the WRST Radio Studios in beautiful Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and heard around the world on the WRST stream, it's the Eric Balkman Show. Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this extra special 90-minute October 30th Halloween episode of the Eric Balkman Show, presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Snickers. You could win season tickets plus thousands of Xbox One instant win prizes when you enter the Snickers NFL 2015 game and sweepstakes at Snickers.com. Remember, you're not you when you're hungry, but Snickers satisfies. Enter the sweepstakes now at Facebook.com slash Snickers. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts listening live and around the world. I'm your slightly above host, uh, above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off tonight. And I'm going to introduce uh, tonight's co-host at the top of the hour, but I am going to fly solo for the first uh, 30 minutes of the show. Coming up tonight... Have we seen the last of any fantasy value in San Francisco this season? And how muddy is the Jets running back situation about to become? We're going to answer those questions and more coming up on the show. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions uh, you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFF or at Eric Balkman. Uh, Dave is off, but you can still connect with him at David Gerzak and Bill Querby's is at bquervis1 on Twitter. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the high stakes fantasy football hour. You want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the FedEx inbox at football at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll do our best to get to all of the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in our fantasy feedback segment coming on in the last third of the show. So basically what's going to happen tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to talk to Roger Matthews for the first half hour. Then we're going to interview Bill Querbys for the second half hour. And for the third half hour, we're going to uh, catch you up on some news, some injuries, some fantasy analysis on some of the storylines going around week eight of the NFL. And we'll of course, have our uh, special HSFF, HFFPC, DFS, FCF, DLA segment with special guest 
uh, Bill Querbees, who's going to uh, chime in on my lineup. He might even have a lineup of his own uh, that he's going to enter into the FFPC FanDuel Daily Fantasy Championship. So that is all coming up uh, on tonight's show. Without uh, further ado, let's uh, let's bring in tonight's first guest, shall we? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's actually an accomplished high-stakes fantasy footballer. You might know him as the one who took uh, – uh, excuse me, who took first place in the National Fantasy Football Championship Classic in 2012. He took second place in the World Championship Fantasy Football in 2005. Uh, currently, he sits atop the FFPC main event over every other team, outscoring everyone in the contest thus far. From the team Sack Dance, please welcome in Roger Matthews. Roger, thanks for joining the show this evening. Pleasure to be here. We're uh, we're always excited to have the uh, the leader in you know either the Football Guys Players Championship or the FFPC main event on the show, and you answered the bell uh, short notice this week, which we certainly appreciated, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can all learn a lot about fantasy football from someone as accomplished as yourself tonight. But before we get into fantasy football, tell us uh, what you do for a living. Um, I'm basically in the construction trade. Um, I I build houses uh, one at a time. Um, I do a remodel. I'll buy a, a fixer upper and and um, fix it up and and uh, sell it. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's it's um it's very rewarding. It's a tangible thing. You know, at the end of the day, you can see what you've done, and it feels good. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, uh, not unlike building a fantasy roster that could win three hundred thousand dollars in the uh, the FFPC main event this year. Certainly, I think that there are some similarities there. And let's talk a little bit uh, about the team that is in first place. Uh, You drafted live in Las Vegas in the Dig Dug League. You had the opportunity the night before to see Deion Lewis play uh, in that opening night game against the Steelers. He obviously looked very, very, very good. But why did you not shy away from him in the draft, knowing the history of how volatile that Patriots running back situation can be where – they might crush it one week, and then Bill Belichick doesn't even use them the following week. Well, why, did, why were you not afraid of that with Deion Lewis this year? Well, uh, it's a good question, um, because I have always shied away from, especially the running back situation in New England, because as you said, you don't know who he's going to start every week. Um, but on that Thursday night game, I was just so impressed with the skill set of Deion Lewis. And I remember him from couple of years ago when when he was in Philadelphia before he got injured and I I saw an incredible amount of talent in in Lewis and I was really impressed on Thursday night um he was not even on my radar uh, not at all it wasn't I didn't even consider him until I saw him on Thursday and just because he looked so good I figured that um you know Belichick's going to have to play him every week if he's that good so um and you know, it seems like um, other people didn't have him on the radar either, including, um, you know, the um, you guys, because he was a write-in, didn't even have a, a sticker for him <laughs> at the draft. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, but, too. I um, I'm sure that. I'm glad I took him. I always thought that was so funny because I think this year, Roger, was like the earliest I've ever seen a write-in because people were taking him in the FFPC in like seventh, eighth, ninth round. And, and it, you know, obviously every year you have write-in, but it's usually like 18th, 19th round. Deion Lewis was like a right, right. like the eighth round. I know, really. Yeah, that's when I got him. I think I got him in the seventh round. I got what, him on a couple teams, actually. 
Can you, I mean, compare, because obviously there's a lot of comparisons between Deion Lewis and Shane Vereen, who sort of was the old pass-catching back uh, in New England, who obviously uh, went to the Giants this year. Do you view Deion Lewis as a more talented guy than Shane Vereen? I do. I I, I, I do believe that he's more talented um, than Shane. I mean, Shane is certainly a talented pass-catching running back that um, that I actually had a few years ago and then um, was totally frustrated when, all of a sudden, um, you know, Jonas Gray is playing instead. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I do think that, that um, Deion Lewis is a little more talented than, than Shane Vereen. Yeah, he definitely he, looked he the, is a talented player. And Lewis looked the part last night of the more talented uh, between the two of them, uh, just crushing, crushing the Dolphins' defense with all those pass catches uh, that he made last night en route to a 20-point uh, performance. I bet it was like 21 or 22 he had last night. Uh, another running back uh, that has been uh, crushing it just about in every game this year. And, and a question about him, I'm still looking for a good answer. And I had a good back and forth on Twitter uh, with uh, our, our you know FFPC player and show listener, uh, Jay Berg. We had a good exchange going on about Devontae Freeman. I'm trying to find out why we let him fall. And, and when I say we, I mean high-stakes players in general. I mean, he was not... I mean, he's playing like a first-round running back right now. He was not drafted close to there. He was drafted many, many rounds after. What do we miss uh, on Freeman, Roger? Why do we let him fall so far in drafts, given his performance so far? Well, I think it's really pretty simple, actually, Eric. Um, Last year, he just simply didn't exhibit the skill set that he's exhibiting this year. Um, And, you know, there was um, Tevin Coleman that everyone thought was – eventually going to going to be the number one guy in Atlanta and um and he did seem like it was working in that direction until he got injured but um all of a sudden Devante De- De- is it's like he's channeling Barry Sanders or something he, <laughs> he is just awesome he's incredible and but but really you know and uh, I I love to study you know before the draft that's I love doing that and I like to read you know read as much as I can and no one was really very high on Devante. Um, I mean, there were some experts that characterized him as a plotter um, based on last year's performance. But this year, a light went off or a switch got flipped or something, and he's just amazing. I don't want to pretend to know, you know, what happened between 2014 and 2015 for Devontae Freeman, what he did if he – you know, change his lifestyle, change the way he worked out, maybe he's in the film room more. I, I have no idea what changed. Um, but uh, given, obviously, there was a change uh, because he's performing so well right now, is this more than just a, a you know, a one-hit wonder, so to speak? Is he going to be drafted next year in the first round, in the second round of drafts, or are, are we going to kind of back off this performance that we, we've seen thus far? What, what do you view Freeman uh what is he going for? Is he the real deal, or is he just going to be a one one year type guy for 2015? In my opinion, he is the real deal because um, I I've been watching him um, a lot, and and he he just has an incredible skill set. He's got incredible quicks. He's he's just very shifty and avoids the tackle. He he's he's really good. He's really good. I think I, I think he's the real deal for sure. Talking with FFPC main event leader Roger Matthews tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And let's talk, uh, I know we've been talking about a lot of running backs so far, but let's continue with our conversation about another one here, Roger. Matt Jones uh, for uh, for the Washington Redskins. How do you see his role changing the rest of the season? And 
you know, not necessarily um, evolving into something it, it isn't already. Obviously, with Chris Thompson banged up, he's been doing more of the uh, third down work. And obviously, with him being more of an explosive player than Alfred Morris, he's been stealing some of the first and second down work from him as well. What can we expect from him the rest of the season? And where do you see him going in drafts in 2016? You know, to be honest, I really don't know about Matt Jones. Um, I was really impressed with him in the preseason. He looked great. And then he had that one great game earlier in the season. Um, But, you know, he he hasn't really played all that great since then. Um, I was was really impressed with Chris Thompson before he got injured. Um, So I'm I'm not sure about Matt Jones, really. Um, You know, he certainly has a talent, but... um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see on him. I'm, I'm not sure. He's an anonymous, an anomaly wrapped in a riddle, smothered in secret sauce. So the the, the rest of 2015 will sort of dictate where he's going to go uh, in 2016 drafts. But I'm with you. I, I think that he is going to be a very entertaining player, not only to watch on the field, but to see how fantasy owners are treating him in drafts. Uh, in drafts, Roger, when when you're drafting, you know, be it a main event team or you know, a football guys mid stakes team. Do you have a, a specific strategy going in? Um, and, and let's use this year as an example. If you want to use this team that's in first place as an example, it, did you have a specific strategy going in that you were trying to execute besides, you know, obviously scooping up value as it came to you? Or was that just, you know, the mentality that you had that there were certain players you liked, certain players you, you didn't like, and maybe you'd reach on the ones you liked and you let the ones fall that you didn't like? What, what was the strategy going into this main event draft? Well, my strategy um, has always been to to go for the wide receivers early, and go quarterback late. And um, it's not it's not that I'm looking for value so much. Um, you know, looking for a, a player that's you know his average draft my position might be in the fourth, and he's still there at the sixth. If it's not a player that I'm I'm you know high on, I won't take him. Still, um, what I do is I identify the players that I really like just by mostly by watching them, watch their skill set, and, um, and and I'll reach for a player. Um, I'll, I'll reach a round, maybe two rounds, to to grab the player that, that I really like and, and the one that, that I think is going to have a good year. Um, so it, I don't really think of it as value. I know that a lot of fantasy players, you know, are looking for value, and I mostly just look for the certain players that I want I see where they're going in in the average draft position, and then I will I will pick them up, you know, like I said, maybe a round or more earlier. So, Roger, for, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for you, it's just a matter of just going out and getting your guys. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a wise man on this show who may or may not be me has long said that about fantasy teams, and I only wish. Uh, Dave Gerzak was here to to hear it from you, who's leading the FFPC main event. So very good that uh, that you said that and agreed with me on that. Uh, you acquired Chris Polk in the main event, the running back for the Texans. Tell me what uh, what your expectations are of him now that there's going to be no Arian Foster to compete with in that Texans backfield uh, the rest of the season. It's just basically going to be Chris Polk, Jonathan Grimes, Arian, or excuse me, Chris Polk, Jonathan Grimes, and uh, Alfred Blue. And, you know, maybe they sign somebody, maybe they don't. But those are the three guys in there right now. But specifically, uh, what can you tell me about Polk? Well, um, I like Polk as a, you know, a a pass-catching running back, especially in PPR. Um, 
you know, I'm not super high on them or anything. Um, I picked them up because as insurance, in case I should possibly lose um, another running back that, you know, that, that um, and I might have to plug them in at a, you know, for a draft or, a, excuse me, a bye week. Um, but, you know, it is still going to be a three-headed monster down there. Um, I think that Blue is going to get most of the carries probably, and Polk will get the third round, third down, um, you know, passing down. Um, yeah, it was, it was mostly just um, trying to improve my bench a little bit um, in case I need him. But I don't really anticipate using him unless – um, unless I have injuries or a, or a bye week situation. Well, if I was to ask you the percentage chance that Chris Polk overtakes Alfred Blue and, and becomes like a true, you, you know, I mean, he's not going to get 100% of the carries, but what are the chances that he gets, he overtakes Blue and, and maybe gets 70 to 75% of the carries uh, in touches, really, in the Houston backfield? I mean, is there a, a better than 30% chance of that happening, better than 20? What, what, what would be your read on, on Polk becoming the man in Houston? Well, I think it would be more than, than 25 or 30. It might be 50% in my mind because um, Houston figures to be, um, you know, behind in a lot of games, and so they're going to have to pass more, and that, that means Chris Polk. So I, I would say um, he has a fair chance. That's why I went for him instead of Blue. Um, I think he has a, a decent chance of, of um, getting more 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 uh, carries or more you know more work than than blue. And 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 I totally agree with you on that. And I'd like to say I was smart enough that that it, that and I I got actually Chris Polk in a couple of leagues this week. And I want to say I was smart enough to go after Polk rather than Blue, but Blue was taken in in most of the leagues. I didn't even have a chance uh, to put bids in on him. Uh, but uh, I hope you're right about uh, Chris Polk. Um, you know, uh, not not saying that you say that he is going to become the man, but if the chance is uh, that high, I'll hold out hope uh, that maybe I'll I'll have I'll have found something with uh, with Chris Polk this year. Uh, people have been struggling this year, Roger Roger Matthews, the FFPC main event leader, uh, joining the show tonight. They've been struggling with Eagles on their team: Sam Bradford, Demarco Murray. Uh, Ryan Matthews to a certain extent, and uh, and Zach Ertz, do they end up justifying their draft spots by the end of the season? I mean, Philly started off so bad the first couple of weeks of the season. They've they've turned it around to a certain point, but uh, but you know, guys, especially I'm thinking like Murray and Matthews, they really haven't uh, justified where you had to take them in drafts. Do you think when when it's all said and done, when we look back at at the 2015 season, that those guys went where they should have, or are people going to be let down if they drafted them? Well, I think that the Eagles are starting to come around a little bit, um, and I think based just based on the large volume that of offensive plays that, that they get every week, that they they just might they might justify their draft uh, position. Um, you know, Bradford was a late round pick um, for people that stream quarterbacks and stuff, and um, you know, so you know he he's he's been okay. He certainly isn't elite by any stretch, but um, you know, as far as his draft position, um, you know, he, he got him cheap. But the other guys, um, I think they're starting to come around. They they looked a little better last week, and um, and again by the 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 volume of offensive plays that they get, um, you know, I I think that they might they might do it. Um, you know, <clears throat> there was such a huge turnover in their in their whole um, their whole team, and uh, it, it's going to take a while for for that to gel, I think, you know, um, 
and I think that it's starting to gel. Very interesting stuff, Roger. I, I, one other the interesting points that I, when I was looking at your roster that's in first place uh, in the main event right now is you have Kevin White on that team, the rookie receiver from the Bears. Uh, do you think he makes a significant end-of-season impact? Is that, is that why you're keeping him around? I mean, if, if owners have the spot, is that something that they should be doing, is using that 19th or 20th spot on the roster on a guy like Kevin White? Well, that's when I took him. I took him um, in, in the 20th round. Um, just, you know, a lottery pick, uh, so to speak. Um, I knew he was going to be out for, you know, the first eight weeks or so, but um, – you know, from from what I'm I'm he- hearing and reading, um, it doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back, um, you know, anytime soon. And um, I'm I'm so happy with my other wide receivers that um, he he's he's next up for um, discarding, you know, when, on the waiver wire for me. Um, I've kind of given up on, you know, on on that lottery ticket there. Um, He's probably going to be great next year, but you know, from everything I've read, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna be playing for at least a while. Frustrating for uh, for anybody who is counting on uh, Kevin White being uh, you know part of the receiving core this year. Obviously, uh, uh, dynasty too. You know, you use a top four pick on him, and we're hoping for something this year. But looks like we'll have to wait until 2016 to see Kevin White back on the football field. Uh, at least that the those are the chan- the chances are more uh, obviously better that that he's going to make his appearance in 2016 uh, than 2015. Roger, a couple of emails for you uh, tonight from listeners. First one's from Ted in Marietta, Georgia, or Marietta, excuse me, I don't know which proper pronunciation is. He writes, uh, "Can you give me your opinion? I have to pick between Mike Wallace at the Bears." Or Michael Floyd at the Browns. I can only play one. That's Ted and Marietta, Georgia. Thanks for the email, Ted. Which one do you like if, if you can only play one? Which Mike uh, are you playing, Roger? Are you playing Wallace at Chicago uh, at Chicago, or Michael Floyd in Cleveland this week? Hmm. <clears throat> I like Michael Floyd, I think, in Cleveland. Um, you know, Cleveland's been giving up a ton of yards. Um, and... Um, and you know Arizona is is a hot team right now. They're they're scoring a ton of points, and and uh, Carson Palmer's healthy and and looking great. And um, yeah, I, I think I'd go with with Floyd. I think you know it's so close between them, but don't I mean Roger? Doesn't it seem to you that like the Minnesota offense is still, even though he hasn't been crushing it this season, it is still all about Peterson. I mean, it just seems like. You know, I know they have Bridgewater, you know, in his second year, and, and they bring in Wallace, and, um, you know, Stephon Diggs has really stepped up to the plate, uh, making a lot of plays, uh, you know, in that offense. But it to me, it, it still seems that the offense is so based around Peterson and the run game where, you know, why would you want to take the chance of, of sort of, you know, hoping that Mike Wallace makes a big play and it turns into a touchdown rather than, you could go with Michael Floyd, who granted isn't the only pass catcher in the Arizona offense, but that's an offense right now that revolves around passing with Fitz and Floyd and mm-hmm. John Brown. And especially if John Brown, who's banged up, who may not play this week, that makes Floyd an even better start. To me, I think your odds of, of getting a big game uh, are much better with Floyd uh, than with Wallace. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment, um, especially um, 
especially that John Brown, you know, may not play, or at least he's dinged up a little bit. And um, you know, the um, Diggs is so hot right now that, you know, that's that seems to be where where they're going with the passing game mostly in Minnesota. Uh, we also have an email here, uh, Roger, from Sean in Columbia, South Carolina. He writes, "Hello, Roger. Because blind bidding is usually based off of feel." How do you know how much to bid on players off the waiver wire in your FFPC leagues? Can you give me any guidance on how to get the players I want without breaking the bank? Thanks, and way to go on the first two months of the season. That's Sean in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of an open-ended question, Roger, with the, with the blind bidding, but, but sort of what's your approach to that uh, when, when you're buying players off the waiver wire? Well, again, my, my approach is similar to my approach in the draft. Um, it's a, if it's a player that, that I really want and is going to help my team, you know, if I'm, if I'm hurting at running backs, for example, and there's a, a running back out there that will improve my team, um, I'm going to bid quite a bit on him. Um, and oftentimes um, I'll, I'll, be bid, I'll, I'll win the, the bid but by two or $300 sometimes. Um, you know, and I go, God, I wish I only would have. <laughs> Offered, um, you know, 150 instead of 350. I could have got them, but um, you know, my strategy is is to improve my team. And if there's someone out there that that I feel is going to improve my team, I want to make sure I get them. So um, I, I have overbid, you know, several times, but um, I usually get the player I want. To to that end, Roger, and, and I don't know how many leagues. Uh, these guys were available in when, when Jamal Charles went down, but how did you handle, and I don't even know, maybe you're, you weren't a fan of Shekhandra Quest, but how did you handle bidding uh, after Charles went down on guys like Niall Davis and Shekhandra Quest? Um, I didn't actually, I didn't bid. Um, Cause I have, um, I have Niles on, on a couple of my teams. So I was hoping that he was going to be the man, but obviously he is not. Um, so on those two teams, I I would certainly wasn't going to bid on West and and the other like my my first place team I'm really happy with my um with the first with my running backs so um and you know sometimes too you know I'm I'm happy with my team even with my bench and I there's nobody I want to really give up for you know somebody that might might turn out and um <clears throat> you know I just wasn't sure that that West was going to win out over Niall Davis. I mean, you know, for the last couple of years, I mean, everybody has said, boy, if if Charles ever goes down, Niall Davis is going to be a top five running back. And that's why I drafted him in a couple of teams. But, you know, it didn't, it's not working out that way. But but um, based on, on that projection is why I, I didn't go for West. What's the uh, – what's the? I mean, have you ever been in a situation uh, early in the season where – uh, you know, uh, a running back, you know, a, a highly drafted running back goes down on your roster where uh, you can pick up his backup, maybe you didn't handcuff him, maybe he's out there. Have you, or should, maybe I should phrase it, what, what's the most you've ever bid on a player if you like to, if you usually find yourself overbidding to get the guy you want, what's the most you've ever bid? Have you gone 800, 900 on a player ever? Yeah, I have. A um, couple of times I've 700 uh, something. Um, I usually don't go that high. Um, you know, I, I don't want to blow my whole my whole thousand um, dollars on one player unless it's you know I'm really 
feel real positive about them um, because you never know. It <clears throat> might not work out, and then, then you don't have any any um, <clears throat> waiver wire money left. So, um, yeah, I, I have a couple of times. I think seven-something, low sevens is the most I've ever I've ever um, bid on a player. Roger Matthews leading the FFPC main event. He's our guest on the show tonight. Roger, before we let you go, you've been very gracious with your time, uh, chiming in with us, hanging out, giving us uh, some tips on, on how to successfully manage our fantasy football teams. But uh, looking at week eight specifically, uh, maybe a sleeper starter that you would advise people to, to make sure he's in, in your lineup this week and maybe a stud that was drafted in the uh, the early rounds that you might want to think about benching this week that not a lot of people will. What can you say uh, about both those? Well, as, as far as a sleeper, um, I, I was, I, I'm kind of high on Andre Ellington. You know, he's back, he's healthy, he um, he looked pretty good last week. I you know in the carries he's got he got last week he looked pretty good um I think they they'd like to give him some more work uh, maybe give Chris Johnson a little little rest and he's going he's got a great matchup against Cleveland so I kind of like Andre Ellington as a sleeper and um you know as far as the the high draft pick or the the stud um I I've got Des Bryant on a team and he may go this week but I'm not going to start him you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see with Des. Um, That's and, interesting. You know, Can I, you I, go ahead? I was just gonna ask you who you were playing in that league, the league that you have Des, who you were playing over him this week, as as you know, you want to give Brian sort of a an extra week to get himself acclimated before you get him in your lineup. Who's the guy you're playing over Des in that league? Oh, I, I don't know. I couldn't answer that question. Um that's on a on a team that's not doing so good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I, I have four. I have four teams. I I just do four teams, and um, yeah, I have two good teams and two not so good teams. And um, yeah, he's he's on a team that's not so good. Um, so I, I'm really not, you know, I'm not thinking about that that uh, roster, and I'm not I'm not sure who it was, but yeah, it's frustrating too because. Chances are, I, I have a league where um, I draft. I didn't draft him early, but I drafted Romo as my starting quarterback, and uh, I had Dez, which I think I, I took in the first round uh, in that league. And then they both go down. So now I'm kind of at, at a point this week where I have to look at okay, now Dez is coming back. I need to make up uh, for for you know my general mediocrity in this league so far if I'm going to make the playoffs. And I feel like Dez is the best way to do that, but. I don't know if I want to put him in if he's not at full strength and he's got Matt Castle throwing to him. So it's 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 sort of a catch-22. You're in that situation because of the Brian injury, but you could be worse off if you put him back in right away that first week. Yeah, it could be. I, I um, you know, like like I have LaFell and and um, I'm I didn't put him in. Um, I mean, he actually came back last week and then again Thursday, and I still haven't put him in because I'm waiting for him to get back into football shape and and um you know and 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 then wait and see you know how how he's going to work out um if he's he's going to be you know back in um in the good graces of Brady and and stuff so I I might start him next week but but I, I left him out you know the first two that he's back and I kind of feel the same about Dez you know he's um he's coming back early from that foot injury and 
Um, I I kind of like to wait and see. Although he is such a good player, that you know might might be a mistake. Well, we will see. Uh, we will wait and see how your team does, as you are also a very good player in the high stakes fantasy football landscape, Roger. I want to thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Best of luck to you the rest of the way. Certainly, uh, being atop the main event after seven weeks of play does not guarantee a big payday. But uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would like to trade uh, teams with you right now. So congrats on uh, the success so far. And uh, best uh, best of luck to you the rest of the season, man. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. And whether I win anything or not, it sure is fun. <laughs> In, indeed it is, Roger. Well said. Uh, good, good way to, uh, to end the interview. Roger Matthews, the uh, leader in the FFPC main event after seven weeks of play. Certainly good to hang out and talk with him. Some good advice there on on blind bidding, some good advice on how to treat uh, an injured star as he makes his first way back. I, I you know as he makes his way back, you know, in his first game. Um there's a to- there's a total baseball reference I could make regarding when pitchers and hitters come back off the DL, but in honor of Dave not being on the show tonight, I will skip it because I know he would be sitting uh, next to me rolling his eyes uh, if I brought that up. So I will just let it go as we transition, ladies and gentlemen, into uh, the second of three half-hour segments tonight. And uh, to do this, I'm going to bring in tonight's co-host on the show, who uh, (laughs) we had some technical difficulties. I don't think I apologize for that at the top of the show. As I said to, uh, uh, to many people last week when they asked me what happened to the show, uh, I, I say blog talk radio, blog talk radio to us. They, they had a lot of issues last week. We've hopefully, you know, we, we've sacrificed some audio quality uh, for the shows going forward, but hopefully there will be some reliability that you can trust that we will be on the air uh, Friday nights going forward. So I certainly apologize for that. And uh, that's a big reason why we're doing 90 minutes tonight. And uh, another big reason is I want to thank this guy for hanging out with us two weeks in a row. He's been playing fantasy football for about 15 years in multiple local leagues, relatively new to high stakes. He jumped into the uh, FFPC in a few leagues last year for the first time. He's, of, of course, a longtime football guys fan. Hey, who is it? After making the uh, playoffs in every league he entered last year, he was instantly hooked. This year, he drafted several draft experts teams and six teams in the Football Guys Players Championship. The team that is in sixth place right now that was leading the contest uh, last week uh, is his best high stakes showing to date, but hopefully the start of other strong performances to come. Please welcome from the team Cubert's Revenge, Bill Queber. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> I knew I was going to screw this up. Bill Querbies. Bill, thank you for filling the co-host role tonight, man. Hey, Balky, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be on. Glad we could it's get uh, the, exciting uh, to have you on. Only worked out this head- well, I'm sorry, say that again. I'm glad we could get the logistics worked out this week so we could uh, make this happen. Yeah, it was, you know, it was really a matter of time before the the incompetence that Dave and I put forth on this show, as well as the uh, failure to be foolproof as Blog Talk Radio is. It was just a matter of time before that was going to happen. I'm I'm glad we made it 200 episodes without ever having to cancel a show outright because we couldn't connect. We've always seemed to find a way uh, to do it in the past, but we just could not make it work last week. So I want to thank you uh, for your patience in uh, in coming on this week. And and for anybody who thinks that there is a curse uh, from you know you come on the show in first place and then the following week you drop off uh, you know out of first place. Bill was not even on the show last week. 
and drop the yeah, sixth place. Yeah, it's like a disappointment. Seriously, it, no, it's not a disappointment at all because <laughs> you're basically you're 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 encouraging more people to come on the show because now that they know that okay, look, you know, it, it's it, it was going to happen at, at some point that he was going to not be in first place. It would have been worse if you would have stayed in first place, and then we had you on, and then you dropped off. Then a lot of people would have been uh, questioning uh, whether or not they ever wanted to come on the show. But your appearance tonight is good for so many reasons, so I want to thank you for coming on. Great. My pleasure. Bill, uh, When we, we're going to get into a lot of fantasy football talk here uh, in a little bit. But uh, before we get to it, tell, uh, tell all the listeners out there what you do for a living. Absolutely. So I'm actually um, a scientist, so I work for a biotech tech company outside of Boston doing drug development. An, an honest-to-God scientist on the show tonight. This is, uh, this is certainly uh, – wow, I'm a little intimidated now. I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like we're <laughs> – you know, I was excited to talk a little fantasy football, and now I, I always joke around that I'm going to learn uh, a lot um, from, from whatever guests we're having on, but I feel like I really might learn a lot from you. I hope so. I'll, I'll have, to, uh, <laughs> have to live up to that. We'll see. But we will. Uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, start the education now, and uh, we'll talk some fantasy. You drafted at number ten uh, in the the football guys league that is in that the team that's in sixth place right now. You went four straight wideouts. You went uh, Beckham, Calvin, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julian Edelman. Uh, was you know we just had Roger Matthews on who talked about getting those receivers early. Was that also your strategy here, or did it just happen to be that the four best value choices at each of those draft picks just happened to be wide receivers? Yeah, it's interesting. My, um, I actually have a twin brother, and I was talking to him about FFPC leagues last year, and uh, he wanted to get in the league with me this year. So we actually co-managed this team, and we were talking before the draft, and we were thinking, you know, if we get kind of a back-end uh, slot that we'd want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, if we had kind of if we could get kind of any of the top six guys. So that's kind of how we went, and just kind of fell that way that that Beckham kind of fell to us in the first round, and then Calvin fell to us in the second round, and then came around in the third round and I'm not, not really usually a big fan of going wide receiver, wide receiver, and then two more wide receivers just because it kind of takes away a little bit of your flexibility um, looking for value. But, um, you know, it came around and, you know, a lot of the running backs we were interested kind of had gone. So um, he was kind of saying, um, you know, maybe we should go uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I was thinking well, that was kind of the highest guy I left on my board too. So we went there and then came around again in the fourth round and then uh, went, went Edelman. I think that was right around the time where, um, either the news of, of, of Brady's suspension potentially not happening or, uh, you know, an upgrade on Edelman's health. So, um, you know, we went that route and it, it ended up working out. Yeah. I remember the, 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 I don't have, Edel, I don't think I have Edelman on, no, I don't have Edelman on any teams this year. And part of the reason was because, well, obviously the majority of my teams are drafted uh, at the KFFSC uh, every single year, which is two weeks before the main event in uh in vegas at uh at the ffpc and so with two weeks before the start of the season you know i was, ta- I was actually talking with dave uh, about it and he said I-, I don't know how you can draft edelman right now with where he's going because the patriots are super secret uh secretive about injuries you don't really know how healthy he is maybe they're just being um you know overly cautious maybe he's really hurt i mean you have no idea with with New England players and and I didn't get them on any teams because of that but I do remember that I was looking at draft boards I was proxy I think I was proxying one of the online leagues and I looked at where Edelman was going and I'm like wow you know this is all those guys that took chances on Edelman in Kentucky uh you know where you didn't know his health status they're all going to reap the benefits because he was 
coming around and all the reports are pro uh, positive uh, on Edelman. So, I, you know, I, I think that that's something that that always bothered me um, about this season was not getting Edelman, especially after watching the game last night. That was super frustrating to, to not have a piece of that. But such as life, such as fantasy, I did want to touch on one of the points that that you brought up with the roster flexibility. How nervous were you when, when you start off with four straight receivers uh, that that when you finally take a running back in the fifth round and the sixth round that there's just there's going to be no options there that you're going to feel comfortable starting week in and week out. Yeah, no, I that that was definitely a concern. I usually try to which would typically try to get a one running back in the first four rounds or so, but we went that route and um, you know luckily you know two other guys we liked you know at the at the five six turn Doug Martin and and uh, Chris Ivory were there so. So those were those guys were good pickups for us, and then you know it came back around in the in the seventh, and we almost actually went Arian Foster, who went the pick before us. Um, we had him teed up, ready to roll, and guy took him. So we went uh, Devonta Freeman, um, and that ended up paying up uh, pretty pretty well for us as well. So um, you know in this case it worked out, but I think you know when you when you go so wide receiver heavy early, you really need to have kind of one of those mid round running backs hit up uh, really hit, and um, we were lucky that that, that happened for us. Yeah, I would say like rounds five to seven, getting Martin, Ivory, and Freeman. I mean, I don't. I want to say all three of them have been home runs, but certainly Freeman's been a home run to this point. Uh, Martin has definitely been uh, at least a double, probably a triple. And I would say Ivory's the same thing. I mean, those three guys are definitely paying off uh, a, a round value that that is much higher uh, than when when you drafted them. How how desperate were you at that point after you had the four receivers? Were you just looking at running backs in those three rounds? Were you considering tight end or, or maybe quarterback at all, uh, or maybe another receiver, or was it just all about getting those running backs in those three rounds? Yeah, I mean, I think by that point, when you wait to the fifth to get a running back, just trying to get guys that are going to get enough volume, you know. So, I, I mean, and I think we were we were really looking for you know full time guys, full time starters that were going to get a lot of carries. So, so certainly Martin and and Ivory fit that bill, and then. You know, Devonta Freeman, when he came around, it was funny. My my brother was kind of like, he he was uh, on the phone with me while we were drafting, and he kind of was like, eh, I don't know about Devonta Freeman. And I had actually read um, somewhere, I don't know if you know Matt Waldman from Football Guys, but, you know, he sure. he was um, he, he wrote um, an, an article about Devonta Freeman and I, that I read, and I kind of kind of had in the back of my mind at the time, so we ended up going that route, and, um, you know, it was good selection, I guess. Yeah, it's just something as simple as that. Something you know, just and you know what? Honestly, that's that when you look back on on you know big and I don't want to you know uh, put this in your mind that you're gonna for sure win this this huge prize this year. I certain certainly wish you the best and hope that you do. But a lot of times when you when you have these big wins and these great teams, you look back on you know why did I draft that guy there? What what was it about that pick? Why did I make that pick? And something just as fate would have it, you, you read an article by Matt Waldman about Devontae Freeman. It was in the back of your mind and you ended up uh, liking him at that selection. Sometimes something as simple as that can be the difference uh, between, uh, you know, winning a league or, or winning a, a main event type contest like the football guys players championship and, you know, finishing in the middle of the pack. It's just, it's so bizarre uh, how that works out sometimes. Uh, given that uh, a Calvin Johnson is getting up there in years, Bill, and uh, Chris Ivory never really been the pinnacle of health. Uh, I know he was banged up coming into this week. It, it sounds like he's going to be all systems going A-OK -okay, uh, for week eight at least. But how concerned are you that uh, both Calvin and Ivory might be playing a little bit above their heads right now? 
You know, I I think I think from Calvin, you know, there's always a little bit of injury risk, but I, but I really do like the the new coaching change that they made, and you know, I mean, you could tell the the big difference in Matthew Stafford. He was looking a lot better, so I think they're going to be throwing balls down the field a little bit more, and so I my my prospects for for Calvin are actually actually quite good. You know, I think Ivory actually has been a little bit banged up um, the last couple of weeks. Luckily, he played um, last weekend. But, um, you know, I think I think the, the issue with the Jets is they really, you know, until Ridley is kind of fully healthy again, they don't, they don't really have another good running back. Um, so I think he's going to continue to get a lot of carries. And, um, you know, I think what I'm hoping between Freeman, Ivory, and Martin that we have at least, you know, two guys to start every week. So if these guys get banged up, one of them misses a week or two here or there that we can kind of get by. I always feel like it's kind of walking a tightrope with what I'm cheering for when I have when I own a player like Calvin Johnson because I want the Lions to kind of I want the defense to stink and I want them to have to throw uh, to come from behind but at a certain point I mean the Lions are having a really rough season right now and at a certain point we know how banged up Calvin's been in the past and and he's had those nagging injuries and then then you have to wonder at what point do does Detroit say just some you know sometime in like early December or mid December you know what, let's put him on the shelf and, and wait till next year. I mean, that's one of the things that I always uh, worry about, whereas I love reaping the benefits of the first three months of the season of having a wide receiver who's the main target on a team that's constantly throwing to catch up, like DeAndre Hopkins would be a good example, it looks like, at least uh, the rest of the season. Uh, but, man, a guy like Calvin Johnson I worry about in December. But it, it, it's kind of a sunk cost at this point because you're as long as he's healthy, you got to play him. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think he's he's an automatic start if you have him, and you know, you just keep your fingers crossed that things go well. I mean, you know, you it, it'd be nice to have you know younger players that you feel like they, they might stay healthier. But I think there's you know in the NFL there's injury risks every week, and guys go down left and right. So you just got to hope, and uh, you know, a little bit of it's luck from the from the injury bug in that regard. We talked uh, a, quite a significant amount with uh, with Roger Matthews about uh, his blind bidding strategy and 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 what sort of what he takes into account when he's bidding on players. Let's talk about a player uh, that you got off the waiver wire this season, uh, a guy who uh, was sort of an automatic start for at least two weeks this season, and that's Thomas Rawls. Were you bidding aggressively on him to to acquire him, or were you just um, you know, kind of throwing out a bid that, okay, I just want to keep everybody in this league honest. I don't mind if I get him. I don't want to pay this much for him, but I certainly don't want anybody having him for this low of amount. How, what was the strategy on Rawls? I don't think we went, we weren't all in. I think we made a reasonable bid. I don't remember exactly what the, what the dollar value was, but, but I think, um, you know, you're always looking for, you know, particularly with running backs, just somebody with an opportunity. And, and I know, um, Lynch was banged up. They were, they were on, you know, the the um, Seahawks is a pretty elite running team. So, you know, the, the opportunity was certainly there, and um, you know, he's going to get a lot of carries. So, you know, I think the, I think the thing with these injuries these days is a lot of teams, like as you mentioned about the Patriots earlier, are pretty are pretty uh, uh, limited as far as information. And you know, at the time I had heard, you know, you know, Lynch might have a have a muscle tear. There might be other other issues going and. You know, you've seen how you know injuries can drag out with other players. So you know you never know if it's uh you know is this a one or two week thing Lynch is out? Could this bleed into a three or four weeks that Lynch is out? Could he come right back and then get injured again? So just seemed like a good a, 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 a player and a good opportunity that we wanted to definitely try to get on our team. That was a frustrating thing for me about bidding on Rawls that week because the week that that you know 
he was being per- purchased off a of waiver wire was a week that Seattle was playing on Monday night. So if you didn't have Lynch, you'd have to be in a really, really unique situation to wait to see if you're going to play Rawls or not, or if you're just going to roll the dice. And that's, and I was actually talking with Dave about it too. I, you know, I, we were debating how much um, each of us was going to bid on uh, Rawls in, um, in our Kentucky leagues. And, and he was, you know, picking my brain. I was picking his and, and, and we were just kind of like, what what would happen if Lynch ends up playing that Monday night and Brawls is just a handcuff the rest of the season yeah, and, and maybe yeah. never even plays? I mean, are you really going to spend $500, $600 on, on a guy like that? Um, or is he the type of – I mean, w- was Lynch really, really hurt? I mean, w- the fact that he had so much mileage on him, the fact uh, that, that he is not a young running back anymore – are you really going to let Thomas Rawls go to somebody else for five or $600 if he's going to be the starting running back on that team uh, the rest of the way on a, on a Super Bowl contending team? I mean, it was so frustrating and maddening because that's the exact situation that drives uh, fantasy footballers up the wall because you, you really you can't really middle it a whole, mu- uh, a whole lot. You, you sort of got to sit on one side of, uh, of it or not. And uh, if you did, if you already owned Lynch and, and, and you had Rawls as a handcuff, then, then you were all set. But for somebody who didn't, uh, it, it just it just drove me nuts, uh, you know, trying to figure out uh, what to do with respect to that. Uh, with uh, Bill Querbies is our uh, co-host tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Bill, with respect to the uh, the tight end situation, be the uh, premium scoring and the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC leagues. You drafted two tight ends in Delaney Walker and Dwayne Allen on your really good uh, Football Guys team that's in sixth place right now overall. Um, do you think that FFPC and FPC players are better off trying to stack running backs and receivers like you guys did in this draft as opposed to you know getting those tight ends early? Or, I mean, is it sort of a sliding scale? Does, does it matter, uh, you know, where guys are going in the drafts that maybe it, the value is dictating that you take, um, you know, two tight ends early or maybe three tight ends in the first nine or ten rounds? How, how do you fall on that? Yeah. You know, I think this is a, this is a you know, hotly contested area for the FFPC, and I know there's people that feel really strongly on each side of the uh, argument where, you know, some guys are, are always tight end early and, and some kind of wait on the position for a while. I think, you know, you know, last year when I, my, my first year kind of playing in these leagues, you know, I, I really went more, you know, wide receiver heavy with, with running backs mixed in and kind of waited a little bit on tight end, you know, not, not taking a tight end to maybe the fourth or fifth round. And, you know, that, that, that was a pretty good strategy for me. So I think, um, you know, by the time we got to the fourth round, we didn't have, um, our, you know, all wide receivers. And then we were in the fifth round without any running backs. We kind of decided to wait a little bit, a little while longer. And, I think we ended up with Delaney Walker, which, you know, he's been pretty good so far. We ended up picking up um, Ladarius Green off the waiver wire. He was, he's been a good fill in. Um, and, you know, I, I think usually when you, you know, pick, you know, you do go with the approach of this one, we only had, we only drafted two, but, you know, usually when you draft three guys from somewhere in the, you know, seventh to 12th round range, usually you'll get, you'll get one guy that's at least that's an every week starter. You know, on the other hand, I've seen people that, that do draft too early and, you know, it is a, it is a nice advantage to have if you can have two guys to kind of get you through the, you know, the bye weeks and then, you know, to, to flex a guy um, uh, when you need it, especially with the 1.5 PPR for tight end. So you know, I can see the argument for, for flexibility, but in terms of my, uh, my personal strategy, I've definitely been a, a way a little bit on tight end. Yeah. I mean, to me, you, it's, it's easy. And, uh, you know, feel free to disagree with me on this, uh, Bill, but it, to me, it seems like 
if you go tight end early or, you know, a couple of tight ends early, to me, I think it's harder to hit on those running backs and receivers that you have to rely on later. Whereas if you go heavy with running backs and receivers right away, and then you take those three tight ends, like you said, in, in like the seventh through 12th round, to me, it's a little bit easier to find you method rather than trying to find the every week starters at backs and receivers. Uh, would you yeah. agree with that? Or is that, or is that, no, is I, that something that I, I, I totally would agree with that. I mean, I, I think in pretty much, you know, every FFPC league that I'm in, I, I waited and I ended up with, you know, a Delaney Walker and Eifert or, you know, one league I had Jordan Reed or, you know, one league I had, I waited and get, get a, got a few middle round guys. I had Eifert and Jordan Reed. So, you know, I think you can, I think you can wait and, um, you know, I know I saw some people do like a, a Gates Ladarius Green back to back, you know, that, that ended up working out okay. So I think that there's you know, there's options in those middle rounds to still get some guy that that's startable and then really feel like you're you're loaded out running back and wide receiver. Bill, you uh you made the playoffs in all of your football guys teams last season. This season you uh you come into drafting season by joining some of those uh draft experts leagues that the FFPC uh had going uh in preparation to your football guys drafts this year. What did you sort of learn from, I mean, besides sort of a rough, I mean, ADP is always changing, but sort of a, a rough estimation of ADP. What did you learn besides that from those draft, uh, draft experts leagues in uh, 2015 that, that really helped you in your football guys drafts this year? Yeah, like you said, you know, I, I like to do a few of the DDs starting in like, you know, early early July or something like that just to kind of get a feel for the landscape, um, you know, early in the early in the drafting season. And, you know, I think you, you get you start to get, you know, I think some of the strategies for the draft draft experts leagues obviously are, are definitely different than, than a regular um regular format. But you know, I think you get a you get a sense for um, you know, position by position kind of where where the rankings or where kind of people value different guys. So I think that's that's certainly helpful. And then, you know, I think, I think every year the, the thing that shocks me, which is what you already just mentioned was how much, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of the, um, you know, kind of slow draft um, draft experts, you know, a couple at a time and just kind of seeing how it plays out. And you know, it's just amazing how a week or two um, later, how, how different in terms of, you know, three or four rounds jumps certain guys can make that are, that are hot. And so I think it just, you know, kind of helps you get a feel for kind of, you know, where people value guys and, um, you know, kind of a movement of, of particular players and, and guys that, you know, if, if you like them, you know, where, where will you have to take them? And I, and I think at every, every one, every time I do one of those draft experts leagues, I kind of look for, you know, certain, certain guys, teams that I like and, and, you know, kind of, kind of see what other, you know, kind of smart owners might be doing and kind of get ideas for, for my own drafts so of kind of, uh, you know, interesting strategies to employ. Bill, uh, you, uh, well, let's get back to the, the football guys team that's in six right now. One of the uh, wins you've had off the waiver wire in the last two weeks was Stefan Diggs, Roger Matthews, uh, and I touched on him a little bit earlier in the show. But what do you see happening in Minnesota with Diggs? I mean, Charles Johnson had the big season, the big second half of 2014. They bring in Mike Wallace, and yet we're all talking about Stefan Diggs as being the most exciting pass catcher in Minnesota. What are your thoughts on him? What can we expect from Diggs uh, the rest of the way? You know, I, I, I really like him a lot. Um, you know, we we tried to go in and, and definitely get him. He was one of the, unfortunately, one of the few leagues, this league was one of the few leagues I actually was able to get him in. But, um, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good player. And I think, you know, and 
unfortunately, I think, you know, really the identity of the of the Vikings is going to be a run-first team. They're going to run Peterson if they can get the game strip that they want and um, get a lead. You know, I think any games where they're playing, you know, um, you know more of the, the better teams where they m- maybe get behind, you know, I, I think you got to like him for somebody who can really be um, a difference maker down the stretch. And, you know, the way we looked at it as we, we had four, you know, kind of starting very solid wide receivers that we talked about earlier. And, you know, like you said, if, you know, and one of the, one of the guys like Calvin Johnson goes down, is one of the older kind of somebody who's more of an injury risk, you know, I think, I think Diggs is somebody that could really fill in and, um, you know, stop some gaps and, um, you know, maybe fill some bye weeks. And, um, you know, I think he, I think he can be a good player. You know, it's interesting. I was on the Fantasy Sports Network um, earlier this week with Corey Erdman, and we were talking about Stephon Diggs. And I think it was Mike Wallace who said, um, this is uh, like two weeks ago, some somebody, some reporter asked Mike Wallace about Stephon Diggs. And, and I think it was, he was talking about Diggs, and he said, he's like, you know, there's certain guys when you just look at them, the way they practice, the way they prepare, the way they carry themselves, you can just tell um, that, that they're a foot player you can't really tell that with everybody there's certain guys you can and Wallace said you could totally tell it about Diggs and I was like wow that's that's pretty telling that you know a a guy who's been in the league as long as Wallace has would say that about somebody especially somebody who you know he may or may not be competing for stats for the rest of the way Um, but then we saw that catch that Diggs had this past weekend where he just I mean he you know people always say like oh he he uh he's you know he, he sprawled all the way out or he stretched all the way uh, out or whatever and then you see it and you're like kind of like oh yeah he kind of did Diggs really did on that play I mean he stretched as far as he could and made that play and and to me uh, Bill when I saw that I'm like okay that guy is a football player yeah no he he absolutely you know he he really looked good on that play and I mean I think I think the other thing that about that play that struck me is he he laid out, but how much he pulled away from the defense. I mean, he was he was you know wide open deep, um, you know. So that just says something. And I think you know he's from what I've seen the little bit that I've seen of his route running has been has been really pretty good for somebody that's that's really pr- pretty young. So you know, I, yeah, I think he's got a he's certainly got a bright future ahead of him. No question. Yeah, that's a great point, too. I think that that guy gets off the line of scrimmage and, and the way that, that he comes in and out of his breaks, you would never guess that he's a rookie. I mean, he just looks like a guy who's been doing this for, for two or three seasons already. So sky is the limit for Stefan Diggs. Let's go to a couple of emails here we have specifically for you, Bill. Uh, the first one is from Keith in Fair Oaks, California. He writes, hey, Bill, uh, when you draft your teams, do you look at strength of schedule at all, especially – who a team plays in weeks 14 through 16 when the money gets won in the football guys contest, or does that not play a role at all for you? That is Keith in Fair Oaks, California. Keith, thank you for the email and bill. Uh, how much of strength of schedule are you looking at when you're drafting a team a little bit, not at all um, a lot. What, what's the impact that that has when you're, uh, when you're doing a draft? Yeah. You know, I, I usually take a quick look just to get that, you know, a uh, little schedule grid out and kind of look over those, those 14, 15, 16 weeks and just see kind of who looks to be weak. I think, I, I think the challenging part is there's always some kind of surprise defenses of somebody's schedule who maybe really looks good initially doesn't end up being as great as maybe you had hoped it to be. So I don't really put too much emphasis on that, but I think, you know, I, I might use it as kind of a tiebreaker where if I'm kind of deciding amongst a couple guys, you know, particularly, you know, the, the, the high investment early round guys, you know, if, if you're trying to decide between two people and one of them looks like they got a loaded schedule towards the back end of the season, then that, that would certainly kind of tip the balance for me. Yeah. I think that uh, the, the tiebreaker aspect is something I've, I've always uh, employed in, in drafting my teams as well. It's, it's, it's definitely, I mean, when you, when you have two similar 
you know, studly, you know, three down running back types that, that would go in the first round. If, if, um, you know, one of them is facing three tough defenses on the road or, or even two of them on the road, and then you get uh, another guy who's facing three uh, soft um, defenses, uh, weeks 14 to 16, to me, it, it kind of makes the decision pretty easy, uh, you know, and, uh, and that's something that uh, I've always employed on uh, doing my drafts. Uh, Jim in Sacramento, California writes, I know this seems stupid to ask, but I mean it seriously. Peyton Manning hosting the pack or Brian Hoyer at home against the Titans. Good luck this weekend. That's Jim in Sacramento, California. Thanks for the email, Jim. Uh, I, you know, at face. Okay. So Bill face value on this. I'm, I'm totally playing Manning, you know, a primetime game uh, in battling, you know, his team is undefeated. The team he's taking on is undefeated to me. That's the type of quarterback that I want uh, being played, but given how Manning's been so far this season and the way that, uh, you know, Hoyer really had that big game last week going up against the Titans at home. It's to me, it, it, I'm, I'm still going Manning, but that is close. I, I 100% agree with you. I, I hate to say it just as a sign of how such a, how far such a legendary player has, has fallen. But, you know, I would say our, our you know, the, the, the main team that I had in the lead as of last week, that's now in sixth place, you know, we, that team was doing so well in spite of Peyton Manning. Uh, so that, you know, he's been kind of the quarterback we've been kind of riding with, uh, so far. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of scouring the waiver wire, uh, actively looking for a backup because, you know, I just don't know how long, you know, he's going to hold up, you know, his, some of his throws have really been looking shaky. So, you know, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I, um, you know, I actually like Hoyer a lot for DFS this week. So, you know, I've definitely have him in a few lineups there, but, um, you know, I think, um, you know, when push comes to shove, I don't think I'm going to have the, uh, you know, the um the will to kind of play him over Peyton Manning if it, if it was one of my lineups it's it's always and Dave always rips on, on me for this too uh with um with how I look at situations like that but w- when it comes to this I always like to look at who would I be more ticked off if I sat and he blows up would I be more upset that I played Brian Hoyer and Manning went off on my bench or would I look would I be more upset if I played Manning and Hoyer you know blew up on my bench to, and like that's it's kind of a screw way of looking at it, and Dave thinks it's dumb, and maybe it is, but that's the way I've always looked at it. So, and that and that that factors into my Manning decision is is I'd much yep. rather uh, have him in my lineup and and him not do so well uh, and have Hoyer blow up. Like I I'm just like okay, well, you know it is what it is. But if I play Hoyer, <laughs> I'll sit there on on Monday morning if if Manning you know throws three touchdowns and 300 yards against Green Bay at home, I'll be like how. In what universe would I have ever started Hoyer over Peyton yeah. Manning? What was I thinking? Yep. Exactly. No, I, I, you know? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I, you know, you can, you can tell yourself a story whereby, you know, Green Bay comes out and maybe the Denver defense isn't quite on and, you know, a Rodgers gets going, throws a few touchdowns, and, and, and uh, Peyton's got to play a comeback and, uh, you know, has to throw a lot downfield and, you know, maybe he has a good week. So, you know, fingers crossed that he actually, uh, you know, can, can put up some points this week. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting game uh, to, to watch on Sunday night. Very excited uh, to, to see that one. Uh, Bill, we, uh, let, let's, uh, and we've got so much show left here, but I want to get uh, your sleeper starter and your uh, stud sit uh, this week, a, a guy that um, maybe was not drafted very high, maybe was picked up off the waiver wire, but a guy you recommend players to get in their starting lineups this week, and a stud that uh, better times are ahead, just don't play him this week in week eight. Yep. Yeah, I think um, you know my my sleeper starter this week is is Michael Floyd. I think 
you know, John Brown's been, uh, you know, pretty banged up and, you know, may or may not go this week. And, you know, he's, he's been starting to come on last week. He's finally gotten healthy and, um, you know, Carson Palmer's been been uh, playing really well too, so um, you know he's a guy that I think if you if you have and you're kind of looking to fill a flex spot somewhere, you know he'd be a good good fill in. I like that too. I I have Floyd in a couple of spots. I actually picked him up in one league um, in Kentucky, uh, you know, week three or week four, and he, he's been. I think I I play. I had to play him last week because of a bye week issue, and I'm looking at uh, perhaps playing him again this week. So we'll see. Uh, so that is your sleeper starter. What about a stud sit? Yeah, I, I think my my stud sit is going to be uh, Eddie Lacy. Um, you know, I I really don't the Dem or the uh, Denver D has been really tough, and and you know Lacy looks slow, and he he's been hurt, and you know, it's been all these questions about him being overweight. So you know, I I would say Eddie Lacy is a guy that you know where I have another option. You know, one of the one of the one of the FFPC leagues that I'm been debating is is uh, you know this this might sound kind of crazy is uh, starting Antonio Andrews. So uh, that, that's a little something uh, maybe maybe you can give me your opinion on. Yeah, Andrews is a little interesting because, um, you know, you have you, you don't have David Cobb in the mix yet. I mean, if you want to talk about how rosterable Andrews is going forward, that's that's a whole different discussion. But this week, actually, um, our uh, our producer, Rob, uh, was uh, was thinking about starting Antonio Andrews in in one of his leagues as well. So it's not I mean, it's definitely not crazy. Uh, and Who's to say that, you know, the Houston defense, um, you know, just falls flat again two weeks in a row and Tennessee is nursing, uh, you know, like a 10-point, a 13-point league. They're, they're certainly not going to want Zach Mettenberger trying to make plays. I mean, Sankey was hardly on the field at all. And there, yep. there is a several different ways that, that Andrews gets 15 to 20 touches this week uh, and ends up being a viable running back. And especially for people who are missing, you know, um, DeMarco Murray or Matt Jones or, or Alfred Morris or, or Yeldon, or, you know, or any of the guys who, who are on by this week. I think Andrews, it, it's not, I would definitely try to find somebody else, um, but there may not be anybody else out there. So if you, if you end up playing Andrews, I don't think it's nuts at all. Yeah. I mean, you, you saw kind of what, what Lamar Miller did to the Houston defense last week. So, you know, you got, you got to feel like half. You know, Andrews isn't really the same level of talent maybe, but you know, he, you know, you got to think that that, uh, that defense is, um, you know, definitely susceptible to the run. So we'll see. Uh, we actually uh, we have a question from our producer Rob. He uh, he wants to know, Bill, are you going to try and pick up any potential studs off the waiver wire like Brashad Perriman or Kevin White? Uh, potential, I guess potential uh, emphasis on potential there. Uh, potential studs off the waiver wire like Brashad Perriman or Kevin White for the stretch. Beckham came out of nowhere last year and could have been a pickup in some leagues. Uh, I'll expand it to include anybody out there, not just Kevin White, not just Brashad Perriman. Are you looking to pick up any of those guys and stash them? You know, I have I have Perriman in a couple teams just because I, I just feel like that that team is screaming for a wide receiver to break out. They're they're just desperate. Um, you know, Steve Smith has like you know ten injuries and is on his last legs, and um, you know they they're going to Crockett Gilmore because they have no other. <laughs> viable receivers to play. So I, I just think there's a, a massive opportunity there for kind of someone to emerge. And um, hopefully if he can just get healthy, you know, he, he could be, he could be interesting. Um, you know, I, so I would probably lean, lean more towards him. Interesting. And I have uh, our um, uh, Kentucky auction team that I co-own with, uh, with my good friend, Kurt. Uh, we, <laughs> not a good team. We uh, we spent too much on Le'Veon Bell and Randall Cobb uh, to to start off the auction, and and Perriman is still hanging around 
on our roster just because there is literally, I mean, we've been playing Ted Yen as our number three receiver every single week. It's, it's been, it's been really <laughs> brutal, but Perriman, I'm keeping him around just, uh, you know, if we're able to somehow make the playoffs going into week 12, maybe he could be that guy that, that we stick in there and then he brings home the gold for us. So uh, before we get uh, onto the rest of the show, we have about 22 minutes left in the show. I want to remind everybody to play the FFPC DFS championship on FanDuel. You can check out uh, our Twitter feed, our Facebook page. You can check out your uh, my teams page. That's probably the easiest way to find it. Uh, right on your my teams page on myffpc.com, there is a link to that contest on there. You won't find it in the FanDuel lobby. You have to uh, click through on your FFPC page. 425 uh, players is what it's capped at. We have not hit 425 yet, so the ROI has been very, very good. 383 players last week, $25 to enter, $13,000 in prizes. First place gets a main event entry, and the top three in the contest move on to the Week 12 final with $25,000 in prizes. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, so get your FFPC lineup set, and then uh, and then join the, uh, the uh, FFPC DFS Championship. Uh, for some more action on Sundays. Uh, thanks to Football Guys, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Dolphins and Patriots here, Bill. Uh, one of the things that that uh, came to mind after I saw the Cam Wake news that he is going to be out for the season with a ruptured Achilles. Are you planning on Ryan Tannehill throwing a bunch more given uh, that Cam Wake was so important to that defense? I mean, it's hard to bump up Landry even more on your boards, but um, you know, other pass catchers in that offense, I, I think of George Hammond right away. Do you think that Ryan Tannehill is more valuable now uh, or significantly more valuable with, uh, with no cam wake on the other side? You know, it's possible. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a little bit hard to tell, you know, I think, I think uh, Tannehill had a couple of weeks there where he went against him a couple of weak defenses and he looked pretty good. And then, uh, you know, came into, uh, you know, into the Boston area, um, you know, on Thursday night and uh, looked, looked very uh, mediocre. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't, I, I personally, um, you know, I think he'll be kind of a matchup starter and, you know, kind of against some of the weaker opponents, he might be okay, but I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him as my primary quarterback. Uh, final point on this game, Devontae Parker, what are you doing with him? I mean, he gets carted off with, with the foot injury and it's the same foot that he had, um, surgery on um already for redraft are you just cutting him loose at this point yeah i don't know i'm I'm not feeling great about uh, you know i'm not like i just said i'm not feeling great about Tannehill, and you know i think um you know they, they have a bunch of um you know competition at the wide receiver position and you know i think jarvis landry seems to be like Tannehill's main guy so yeah i mean i think i think this is one of the guys you kind of you know, everyone's looking for this year's Odell Beckham, right? And, and you know, you're holding all these guys, Perriman and Parker and, you know, all these other guys. And, you know, I think at some point when, um, you know, push comes to shove and you're in the bye weeks and you need to get a, a guy that's going to play, yeah, I mean, some of these guys are going to have to let go. So, I, you know, this is somebody I would probably let go. We, uh, we're going to go to uh, the phone lines here and we're going to take a phone call. Who I believe – is the official mascot of the high stakes fantasy football hour. Uh, let's, let's go to the phone lines. Do I have uh two packer on the air right now? Long time listener. Uh, first time caller in. Yeah. I, right. I, I, I kind of, I kind of figured and you are not a first time <laughs> caller either. Hey, Ron, uh, did, did you have uh, some SOSs that you wanted to send out tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm not 
I'm not really interested in what you have to say about it, but I did want to get uh, uh, Bill's input on it. Fair enough. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's uh, go ahead. Uh, what uh, what SOS do you have for Bill? Sounds great. Uh, Fire away. This week I got to try to score some points. I don't want to um, just have a little bit of a lead and uh, you know kind of play a prevent uh, defense here. So I'm looking to bench one running back. Um, this week I got Danny Woodhead going against Baltimore, uh, Chris Ivory going against the uh, Raiders, and Charkandrick West going against the Lions. I'm leaning towards benching Ivory. Wondering if you think that's crazy. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's not crazy. I mean, I think given the way that Woodhead's played and the, the way the Baltimore defense has looked, I would like. I think you're right. I would definitely play him. And to me, it's down to Ivory or West. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, West had one, one good week. Um, you know, I, 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 if I'm not, not wrong, I think that the West is playing and they're playing Detroit actually in, uh, in England, I think. And I think the, um, you know, the, the pitch there is not, um, not really great. So I don't know. I, I, I would probably try to stay a little bit away from, from that game and, and maybe lean towards playing Ivory, but I think it's, it's definitely a tough call between those two. Okay. Thanks. Well, we we want to thank you for calling in, uh, Two Packer, and uh, we will talk to you again shortly. Have a good day. Great. Right. <laughs> That's of course uh, the official mascot of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Two Packer, Ron Meyer, calling in an SOS tonight. And uh, thanks to uh, Bill Querbys to for helping him out. Uh, you know, Bill, we we. we we got 60 minutes left on the show and there's so much to get to. So I want to kind of bounce around. Uh, I don't want to say rapid fire on these, but let's just get your quick thoughts on it. Ben Roethlisberger. It looks like he's coming back to face the Bengals this week. If you own him, I mean, are you, do you have any qualms about playing him back right away? You know, I really don't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually as a football fan, pretty excited for that matchup. I think that's going to be a great game. Um, and you know, I've, I actually have a few shares of Antonio Brown and he's just, uh, dying for a Roethlisberger to get back out there. So, you know, I think, um, if, if I didn't have kind of an, another top five option, I would, I, I probably would roll Roethlisberger right out there this week. Yeah. I like him quite a bit too. I, I only own him on, on one league, but he is definitely, he's definitely in there for me this week. Uh, Joseph Randall, he's, uh, <laughs> he's in the news again for the wrong reasons. Uh, now he is dinged up right now, but he's also potentially facing a one or two game suspension uh, for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. According to Ian Rappaport from the NFL network, Darren McFadden looks like he's the number one there. Are you playing him this week uh, in a tough, uh, you know, supposedly tough Seattle uh, matchup? Although Seattle's rush defense hasn't been great the last uh, few weeks. What about McFadden this week? What do you think about what are your thoughts on him um, being put in the starting lineup for the Cowboys as far as uh, fantasy owners uh, being uh, or putting him in their starting lineup as well? Yeah, you know, I'm I, I'm a little mixed on him. I think you know if I if I have you know other better running back options, I'd I'd, I'd probably go away with him in, in in a redraft league. I I think the the Dallas quarterback situation right now is so is so shaky that. You know, if, if I were a defensive coordinator, I certainly would would not let one of the running backs beat me. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know what that's going to do as far as, um, you know, a lot of men in the box kind of just trying to slow down the running game. So I would probably stay away from him. That being said, you know, the week before last, he caught, I think it was eight or nine passes. So, 
you know, kind of in a in a PPR league, um, you know, maybe in a in a daily league, you know, that's somebody that I might kind of fill in a lineup or two and just kind of see what happens. Is there any, um, and this is the conspiracy theorist in me, not conspiracy theorist, but just wanting maybe a storyline when it's not there. Is there any kind of um, uh, chance that uh, Dallas decides to let Kristen Michael try to run wild against his old team? I mean, is there anything there? It's, it's Again, it's tough to put him in the starting lineup uh, of a season-long team, but uh, maybe for Daly, is Michael like a super dark horse that maybe he ends up being the man by the end of the game? That's an interesting question. I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, that would that would actually make for a pretty good pretty good story or uh, you know headline on uh, Monday morning. But um, you know I I think the thing with Nick Fadden, if you if you're going to question um, you know the health of any player, he's definitely uh, right up there at the top of the list. So you know I I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. I I guess I would be a little bit surprised to see him come in and, and do that against the Seattle defense to kind of have a big game. Um, that is Michael, and so. I don't know. It would be a cool story, but I, I personally don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be willing to. Uh, I own I own Michael in one league, and I do have some running back issues uh, with Demarco Murray on bye in that league this week. I'm still not playing Michael. I, I found. Yeah. I think I'm playing like Chris <laughs> Polk over Kristen Michael this week, and I, I, to me, it's not that part of a decision. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they made they made these big waves of oh, we're going to unleash Michael, we're going to bring him out this week, and then he gets like three carries, and you're kind of thinking, right. I don't know if this is going to ever happen for him. Um, let's uh, let's move on. I want to get to a couple of emails, but let's get to our uh, HSFF, HFFPC, DFS, FC, FDLA segment, of course, our FFPC. FanDuel lineup advice. Uh, I, uh, I have a lineup here in front of me. Bill, do you have a, a, a lineup for FanDuel this week? You bet. Okay, would you like to go first, or, or would you like me to go first? That's totally up to you. Yeah, go ahead, and then I'll follow you up. Okay, I, you know, one of the biggest uh, things that you always hear is, is having positive correlations in, in DFS and not having negatives. And one of the biggest negative correlations you can have, especially when you're playing a GPP, is to have a running back and a wide receiver from the same team. So in true Eric Balkman fashion, not only do I have one negative correlation on this team, I have two of them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to share the lineup that literally no one will be playing this week because uh, it, uh, it violates um, so many different uh, sort of accepted rules of DFS, but I'll read it anyway. Uh, Cam Newton is my quarterback at home against the Colts for 8,000. Uh, the backfield is Devontae Freeman uh, at home against the Bucks and Justin Forsett at home against the Chargers. That is 9,100 and 6,900 respectively. Uh, and then I have Julio Jones to pair with Freeman, uh, at, again, at home against Tampa for 9,200. Michael Floyd, who uh, you like this week, uh, Bill, at Cleveland uh, for 4,900. And then Steve the Icon Smith at home against the Chargers for 6,700, of course, pairing with Justin Forsett. Ladarius Green, to me, is, is sort of the slam dunk at tight end this week at only 5,300 at Baltimore. Uh, Matt Bryant's my kicker for 4,800, my third Falcon at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the St. Louis Rams are my defense facing Colin Kaepernick uh, and uh, the San Francisco 49ers at home. That is an even uh, 60,000. So Cam is the quarterback, Devontae Freeman, Justin Forsett at running back, Julio Floyd, Steve Smith at wideout, Ladarius Green, Matt Bryant, and St. Louis uh, those are the tight end kicker and defense. So, Bill, your thoughts uh, on any of those guys? Yeah, no, I think uh, we actually have a few overlaps here. Um, we, we like some of the oh, same guys, but um, 
Yeah, no, I I actually like that lineup quite a bit. I mean, maybe when I go through mine, I'll, we can we can talk about some of the some of the places that we have overlapped. So I I went um, you know at the quarterback position with Andy Dalton at eighty one hundred. I, I actually think this is going to be a pretty high scoring game um, with Pittsburgh. I don't think the Pittsburgh defense is very good. Um, so I think that that should be an interesting game. Um, at running back, I went uh, with Justin Forsett also uh, at sixty nine hundred. I think the matchup there is just just so good. Um, you know, the, the second running back I, I selected is, is Todd Gurley at 8,100. I just think the volume that, that he's getting and then that home versus San Francisco, I'm, I'm a little bit scared for Colin Ka- Kaepernick, what uh, the Rams defense is going to do to him. So um, I think there's going to be a really good game script for Gurley to run quite a bit. Um, at the wide receiver position, I selected uh, Antonio Brown at 8,400. I think, um, you know, he's been complaining about not getting any catches and uh, he's been dying for Roethlisberger to come back. So I, I actually think he has a pretty big week. The second uh, wide receiver position I have is, is Keenan Allen um, playing against against um, Baltimore. I think he's going to have a, have a good game. And then uh, another overlap that we talked about earlier is Michael Floyd at, at 4,900. I think he's a really good value, particularly if um, if John Brown doesn't play. And then at tight end, I have uh, Tyler Eifert at uh, 6,000. My kicker is uh, Josh Lambeau at, at 4,500. And then, uh, you know, I think the, the chalk play here at defense is, is the Rams and, you know, the way that, that, that uh, you know, the uh, 49ers have been playing, I think that's a uh, slam dunk. Yeah, and then you get, uh, you, you obviously with that lineup, you have Gurley and the Rams together. Uh, to me, uh, even if John, I mean, even if John Brown is ends up being active, I still feel good about Michael Floyd this week at, at less than $5,000, uh, the way Carson Palmer's throwing the ball. And not, not only the way Carson Palmer's throwing the ball, the way he's throwing it to Michael Floyd has been really great to watch. And um, obviously, Keenan Allen has just been crushing it this year. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, these guys aren't, it, it's not really like a hookup type guy when you're talking about Dalton and Antonio Brown, cause it's not Roethlisberger Brown. It's not Dalton green, but in a way, I mean, if you believe that it's going to be a shootout, that that sort of could be a, a correlation there between Dalton and Brown. So I think that that's interesting. And obviously, uh, you know, I like the Rams. I like, uh, uh Floyd, uh, and, uh, and four set on that, on that roster. Eifert too, is another guy, uh, you know, when you get, Dalton and Eifert, I think that that's under underestimated too, because I think a lot of people who want to get the pass catcher to go with Dalton, you, you want AJ Green, but I think the people who have been playing the Dalton Eifert lineups, those have been uh, really crushing it so far, uh, as long as the other teams been doing or the rest of the guys in the roster have been doing okay. So to recap your lineup, Bill, Andy Dalton at quarterback, Todd Gurley and Justin Forsett at running back. Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Michael Floyd are the wideouts, and then Tyler Eifert, Josh Lambeau, and the Rams defense. So that is our uh, HSFF. Oh, God, i got to get it in front of me again. Others, I'm not going to screw it up. <laughs> quick, HSFF, quick question you <laughs> It's so terrible. HSFF, HFFPC, DFS, FCF, DLA segment. Uh, we'll be back again with uh, with Dave Gerzak doing it next week. We'll, uh, we'll find out how these lineups do on Sunday. So let's answer a couple emails. We've got about seven minutes left in the show here, Bill. Um, we'll crush as many of these as we can. The first okay, one can you, is... Can I ask you a quick question on your, yes, on your you sure can. strategy? You know, I, I, I'm always kind of um, surprised when I see kind of these these large kind of um, GPPs where you see the kind of winning lineup that wins, you know, a million bucks, and it's always kind of mostly guys that you would expect. And, you know, people are kind of always kind of saying you need to have a bunch of contrarian guys. You know, you need to kind of have be different and have a lot of different guys. But... The more and more I the more and more I play daily, the, the less I kind of think that 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 is so much true, and that you know you need a, need a couple of difference makers, but 
really not um, you know totally against the green for guys that you think are definitely going to go off. But what, what is your what is your feeling on that? Could not agree with you more. I, you know, I, I look at those. I've been looking at those lineups the last couple of, of weeks, and obviously it's it, it's easy to say after the fact. Oh my God, yeah, obviously you're going to play those guys. But there's always a, a couple of guys in there that that um, end up really really outperforming uh, their salary. So I think it's not so much you have to be contrarian. It's just you you got to pick the right you have to pick the right um, guys to be contrarian with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Travis yep. Benjamin. Uh, I think about him at the early part of the season. Um, people who are playing him on, on those big, uh, you know, two touchdown weeks he had, obviously they're going to crush it, you know, be, because uh, they had him going. And I never would have played him, uh, you know, be, before. I just, I was never a big Benjamin fan. But then you watch a couple more weeks with Benjamin, and it's like, oh, this guy really is a bona fide playmaker. You know what I mean? So I, I yep. think that um, the way we think about players evolves as the season goes on. Um, like I would have never been playing Michael Floyd the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. So I think that uh, if you try to be too contrarian, it will end up biting you. And if you end up trying to pick too many contrarian plays, uh, it, it will end up biting you as well. I, I think that um, getting a, as many, rather than going contrarian, I think getting as many um, guys who, to borrow an NBA term, to have a high usage rate, you know, guys that will be involved in the game plan that have that, that potential to explode. I think that's how you win those, those, you know, the million dollars and, and, and what yep. have you, but you know what? I've never won the million dollars, so I'm certainly not an expert on it. I'm just going off the line of what I see, but that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, no, I'm with you hundred percent on that. Uh, Bill, let's uh, go to Kyle in Fredericksburg, Virginia with the Pats looking unstoppable. How concerned are you that Belichick may rest Brady, Gronk, Edelman, et cetera, in week 16? Thanks to those three guys, I am also undefeated in my league and need to seriously think about trading them to make sure I can compete in the championship if I get there. Thank you, Kyle, for the email in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Bill, uh, you know, obviously you can't trade in the Football Guys Players Championship, but for those people who play in leagues where you can trade, would you be looking at trying to get uh, equal value to, I don't know if you can get equal value for Gronk, uh, but equal value for Brady or Edelman uh, because of the potential uh, of those guys being rested in week 16 or is that something that doesn't really concern you right now uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of the mindset you you still got to get there and you know there's still there's still a good amount of weeks left in the season where you know you still need to win a bunch more games to probably get the number one seed or um, you know even make it through the playoffs so I don't know that I would be you know um, you know willing to you know sell those guys to try to just reduce the number of Patriots at all at all costs but and I think if, you know, something came my way that maybe, um, you know, kind of reduced my dependence on the Patriots where I got something, someone, someone else that I really liked uh, to, to swap for one of those guys, and I might consider it. Uh, let's go to Pete in Detroit, Michigan. Hello, Jobs and Wozniak. I have FCF, oh, first come, first serve waivers going on in my league right now. Would you drop Brandon Oliver or Jeremy Langford to get Stevon Ridley now before he plays a down for the Jets this season? Thanks, Pete, for the email. Uh, what are your feelings on Stevon Ridley? I mean, uh, just looking at this, uh, Bill, I, I think I'd be more intrigued to have him over both those guys right now. Um, but I don't know. As long as Ivory's healthy, Ridley's sort of just a handcuff. What, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, it's a little hard to know exactly where his health stands. You know, if if, if I saw him, you know, get out there and, and look good and just like a handful of carries or something, then I might be in a little bit more of a hurry to pick him up. 
but in kind of still you kind of see, uh, you know, a guy that's had a major injury like that and has been slow to come back until you see him kind of play at all. It's, it's a little hard to get too excited about picking him up. Yeah, I'm definitely not excited. I did pick Ridley up in a, in a few Kentucky leagues this week, but I had some dead weight, um, uh, you know, extra tight end, extra defense on my roster from uh, bye week. So I ended up, I, we'll see what happens with him. I, I'm not excited about it, but it's definitely worth a dice roll. Uh, final email we're going to do tonight is from our good friend Javier in Terre Haute, Indiana. He writes, hi guys, thought I would check in with you since it's been a minute. I was a little offended you didn't read my email on your 200th show, but I have come to expect that sign of semi-disrespect or just blatant ignorance, whichever it was, after listening <laughs> to you guys for years. In any event, that's probably accurate, actually. In any event, I will still download no matter what you do, so feel free to ignore this as well, winky face. I own Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in my Dynasty League. If this is Manning's last hurrah, should I be looking to deal them now? I'm 3-3 three and three and would be the first team out of the playoffs right now if that helps. Your supposed pal, Javier in Terre Haute, Indiana. Bill, I'm not sure if you if you play Dynasty at all, but but what do you do if you own Thomas and Sanders right now, assuming this is Manning's last year? Yeah, you know, I, I don't actually play a ton of Dynasty, but, you know, I, I I kind of feel like, you know, when a new quarterback comes in, I don't know if, you know, whether it's Brock Osweiler or whoever, I don't know that they're going to be able to play at the level of, of Manning. That being said, Manning hasn't looked that great this year either. Um, you know, I, I would kind of think that, you know, uh, you know a young up-and-coming quarterback can maybe support one kind of wide receiver. So maybe, you know, you hold on to, to Marius Thomas and then, you know, try to remove Emmanuel Sanders. But I don't know that I would feel good, in, you know, kind of in a potentially a rebuilding process to kind of have, um, you know, a rebuilding quarterback and have two um, of their wide receiver options. I don't know that I'd want to keep both guys. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want uh, want that either. So I definitely think you need to start at least shopping them, Javier. Let us know how it goes. Bill, what what a blast. This hour went by uh, like that. I, I really want to thank you for coming on tonight, helping me co-host. You were fantastic. A lot of great stuff. Good luck with your uh, FFPC FanDuel lineup this week. And uh, good luck on the Football Guys Players Championship, man. Uh, you know, definitely a long way uh, to go, but uh, you have a, a great team, and uh, it it should be competing uh, right up until the end. So best of luck to you, and thanks a lot for hanging out tonight. Great. Thanks a lot for having me, Balky. It was a blast. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Sounds good, Bill. Uh, we will uh, certainly do that. Bill Querbys, the sixth-place team in the Football Guys Players Championship, hanging out with us tonight. I want to thank him. I want to thank Roger Matthews for hanging out as well. also want to thank Snickers, Gatorade, the F- uh, FFPC, FedEx, Rob, Bryce, most of all, all of our listeners. Dave will be in studio next week. We'll have a show at our regular 10-9 Central Time. Get those FFPC lineups in. Remember to play the FFPC Daily Championship. Enjoy week eight. Happy Halloween. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.